know, because we're dropping our freelancing, all these buzzwords. Yeah. And he mentioned something about the cultural, um, the cultural understanding of what freelance means from the point of view. Yeah, which is mm. super interesting because normally, you know, people that don't really have a great understanding of the concept, they seem to think that no, if you say you're a freelancer, is that you are uh, in between jobs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> Wow, yes. that's and and there's a lot of cultural connotations, right? That people exactly. often aren't aware of, and and you kind of get a term that's maybe you know U.S. based or European based, and and it has different meanings depending on the culture that you're in. So also, I think part of what you guys are doing is training the market and, yes. and kind of sharing what is freelance, what does it mean? Wow. It doesn't mean you're unemployed between jobs. It means exactly. you choose to work for yourself. Hello and welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambata Pirolla. I'm so excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Journey along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs, and scientists, all starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Stay soon. Ciao. Thank you for availing yourself and you can take it away with your introductions. What is it that you do? Um, your role specifically in Southern Africa? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's um, let's see. So, just a brief introduction, just about myself first. My name is Max. Um, I'm originally from Denmark in Europe, um, and currently I have the role of being the CEO of Master Southern Africa. A little bit about the company itself. Master Southern Africa is a franchise that belongs to Master International. Master International develops and, and creates psychometric assessments used for finding the right candidates for the right jobs, uh, developing A-teams, understanding communication in teams, how to build diversity, uh, those kind of tools that really help an organization scale up and, and build the best human capital possible. Um, a little bit of interesting information, Master International was actually started by my grandfather in 1985, Jana Münster. Wow. So the reason that came about was he was the sales director at Canon uh, in Denmark, and he realized that most of his salespeople, the top performers, had common traits among themselves. And, and he wanted to understand how do we harness and find out which future candidates will have similar traits that we can develop to build the strongest team possible. Um, and that's where this whole concept of using psychometrics came into play. So for a few years, they developed with a team of psychologists some of the first psychometric assessments on that market. Um, and so for a very long time, it has been a very Scandinavian European company. In 1995, Switzerland became a franchise partner. And then up until 2003, 2005, it became spread all throughout Europe. Um, starting in 2006 onwards, my father became the owner of it, and he had a global expansion strategy in mind of how to bring Master, not just within Europe, but bring it out of the European boundaries as well. Um, and especially in line with getting bigger customers that were more global, it required also global recognition on different markets. Um, 
So, so very specifically from 2015 onwards, it's been about looking at which new markets can we go to. So new markets like uh, Mexico, Argentina, um, the US, uh, India, China, Singapore have been areas that I've been also involved with in the business development side of things, working with the main company. So last year, uh, part of the new global strategy for this year is to also focus on the African continent. And part of that was was starting in Southern Africa. And they required or wanted somebody to be able to go there locally to set up, get things running, build a team uh, of people, of, of professionals that can service the whole Southern African region. Um, so I volunteered and it's been the best decision so far. It's been a very exciting journey. Yeah. It's very new, far away from, from all the comfort that I know. Um, but it's exciting working here getting to understand the, the ways of doing things, top professional HR people here that I've been in contact with. So it's really been a, in a, been a pleasure to, to make this move and experience um, Southern Africa's beauty also within work. Um, part of setting up, you know, in Namibia, not in South Africa, was to try and give it a comp- competitive advantage of saying most providers are often South African companies with a daughter company in Namibia. And we wanted to kind of stir things up and change it and say, Let's be a Namibian company that can service all of Southern Africa from Namibia. Um, so, so that's been a part of it. And building this kind of network, um, we're trying to be fully remote. So all consultants that we work with, um, it's fully remote. So we're not sitting in an office space at such, but just working remotely together, servicing customers throughout Southern Africa. Yeah. And I, I love that you said um, that you, you want to start from Namibia. It- and expand from there, which is a really mm. that has that is very popular. Um, no. <laughs> and we'll get into that a bit later, but that in itself, I think um, the country possesses a lot of potential, but obviously potential that is not mm. realized is That's it. potential. Yeah. So, That's it. It, it, it. Like you say, in many ways, Namibia is always very much the the younger brother, the younger sister of South Africa. So, so it often becomes second line, also the opportunities that are available here. But there, exactly. there are such great professionals here. So to harness that that people people power that exists here and, and show, you know, that Namibia has something great to offer. It just has to, to be shown and realized by others. Exactly. Well, um, I think the analogy of little, little brothers or little sisters, um, at some point the little brother or sister has to grow up. And that's it. I I personally can't wait for that um for that to happen. There is no. not a lot happening on the ground. And that's one of the reasons as well why I've decided to take a private interest and try to solve some of the problems back home. Um mm. in the form of this as well, the podcast. I never thought I would have I would create something like this, but I mm. realized that it's not you don't have to rely on one traditional way of Know, communicating, which from an American point of view, for most African countries, actually, it's radio. You either get mm. speak on radio, and Lord knows what happens to your conversation. That's it. Exactly. That's it. And, and wouldn't you agree with me, Asteria, that probably COVID has been, in some ways, a positive influence in that sense? It is. It has caused companies, people, organizations to think creatively and adapt with whatever is at hand. For example, now podcasting uh, on a topic that's relevant. It, it doesn't have to cost anything. It doesn't have to be a big market entry barrier. 
Um, but let's start these conversations. Let's get started and, and share the knowledge with one another with what's available. Exactly. I love it. I, uh, <laughs> you're talking my language right now because uh-huh. you know, in, I, spoke, I spoke to the previous guest about this actually, that you don't really need so many resources. What you need is no. ways to do things. And That's if you look around, yeah, if you're looking around the country, we have immense potential of in terms of people, human capital, mm. natural resources, we have um, infrastructures as well in comparison to various parts of Africa that aren't, they, they are above par level. So mm. take that and actually just maximize it and look at it from a different angle. But that's it. That's it. Definitely. And, and, and like you're saying, with, with using and harnessing some of these um, people from different regions, and that's where this kind of remote conversation comes into it. And obviously, it's not the traditional way that it's been done. It's really gaining traction now in a lot of countries. It's quite new still in, in Namibia and South Africa, but it is gaining traction. But I think having people like, like what you guys are doing also at building a platform that kind of accommodates that environment is so important for that growth. For myself, um, I studied a bachelor's in education and I did it completely remotely. And, and my reasons for it was because of personal freedom. I wanted to be able to travel and do an education at the same time. I didn't want to be limited by kind of the, the old way of doing things that we have to sit uh, at a class or at the university, at the campus, but to be able to travel, gain experiences, meet new people, and kind of yeah. develop as a person through that. Uh, and fortunately, after that, I was I was fortunate enough to continue working remotely with Master International, the main company, um, while traveling in South America, in South Africa as well. Um, and, and, you know, experiencing the world, gaining perspectives, every day is a new office. I think that's a great opportunity. And I think that's what makes happy employees. So I think really strengthening remote work um, will yield great results. Exactly. And yeah, we are we are going a little bit down the line with the discussion point right now, but you said something really crucial, the flexibility that comes with that. And mm. some of the conversation just in my own social circles, informally with um mm. people, when you speak of things such as freelancing and remote working, it seems like this far fetched idea that you're not yeah. really being realist. <laughs> But yeah. you can actually be somewhere on a nice sunny beach and actually do your work. <laughs> it is it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yes. And 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 I've so often, you know, if it's on a bus, if it's in the back of a car, if it's at a cafe, so many locations I've worked. Uh, but you know, you use the time also in a different way. You're you're traveling somewhere. Why not work? You know, why why do you have to take a holiday off of work? Why not use that for working and getting things done? Um, and it, But I think it has to do with kind of adapting to that mentality and people yeah. understanding what uh, what results are available. And that's obviously something we'll talk about also more down the line. Um, but I just think it's a good it's a good barrier to break that we have to disrupt the way of working things because we are facing a new reality and a new normal. So let's okay. let's go with what actually works. Exactly. And that really just speaks to what this podcast is about. It's a mm. growth mindset. For you to for you to come to that level of that transcendent level of thinking that you know, what you're doing isn't working and it hasn't mm. been working. The traditional way of working is yeah. okay. It's it's functioning. And I'm talking purely from the southern southern African point of view. They mm. are being rigid in terms of adopting new ways of doing work. Mm. 
yeah. really come to an understanding that it's not so much about yeah the bottom line, but it's also ensuring that the people that you have at hand they are happy, and you meet them. That's at it. A, yeah, you you meet them at a at a, an inter, at, at an intersection of that like, they are happy and the work gets done, and that creates definitely productive employees, and that that is the golden nugget. So how do we no, I do. Yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying because it's it's not just so much about, like you say, the bottom line. If we lose people that are great along the way, we have to ensure their well-being is there and that they have the potential to grow in, in the person into the person they'd like to become. Um, and so valuing the employees also includes being adaptable with, with different work environments. Definitely. So I'm, I'm actually very curious. You are now, you're coming from a Scandinavian way of doing things. How has that fusion been, um, you know, coming from that culture and integrating yourself into the African way of doing things? What strengths have you owned in your current position to drive forward everything else that you're doing? I would say. Yeah, it's obviously two very different worlds. I mean, Scandinavia is very, very liberal, very forward thinking, very adaptable to new ways. You know, the, the four day work week has existed for a long time. Uh, a hybrid work has, has existed for a long time where yeah. you come here and you meet a very different environment. Um, but it also obviously has to do with some of the different struggles that are also here that are not as easily available. Something like Internet is not as readily available at all locations in Namibia as it would be in Scandinavia. Um, So I think for me, as a person, I love to network. I love love to talk to people. I love to understand what they're going through, how how systems hang together. And I think that has really been a strength coming to a completely new place with a new culture that's so different from what I'm used to, to network and try and understand, you know, why are things done the way they are? I'm not just going to come as a foreigner and say, this is how things are supposed to be because I'm seeing things from my perspective without the full understanding. Um, So I think communicating with a lot of HR professionals, understanding what were some of the struggles that they underwent uh, during COVID, something like having data to work on. How do they provide data for all their employees to work remotely? And that was a huge struggle for a lot of organizations and understanding that, also shows that there are some steps maybe also additionally to be taken uh, to, to sharing kind of this way of working that we need to also, there's maybe some infrastructure as well that has to be developed further um, in the future. And, and those are also things to be looked at. Exactly. But I love the fact that, okay, you know, the pandemic, um, no good mm-hmm. and bad, but it did it, it, it really highlight where our pain, yeah. where our struggles were. And they definitely. Yeah, internet access and all of that. I think that's it. It's yeah, it's one of those things that has become a need in an organization yeah. that is functioning on you know the traditional way of let's meet at a boardroom. That and surprisingly, I'm mentioning this because there are people that still value they they are placing that above everything else as priority. We need to meet at a physical place. I'm like, okay, mm. it's you know, I don't want to, I don't want to speak so so much about that, but it's it's that shift that needs to really happen, that radical shift. Yeah, 
you get to realize that you are straining your employees and mm. the work is actually not getting done effectively. You mm. can. Yeah. And Namibia is what? Yeah, one point, almost two million people. Mm. We are an extremely small country. Imagine yeah. if we solve everything, data and internet access, um, mm. hybrid worker systems, strategizing how to actually have a remote um, remote first strategies within some organizations. Which, which exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And no, and it and it's definitely true. And 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 setting this kind of even as a company strategy, how do we move in that direction? Will affect all things. I mean, it will affect uh, finance. It will affect HR. So it kind of has to become a part of the organization's strategy to adopt it. We can't adopt it without it being a part, an essential part of the strategy and the direction that we're moving. Um, so I think that shift, like you're saying, is something that has to come about. Um, and just speaking about adapting also to a new country, I think in some ways one of my strengths is that um, I, I, I like to adapt. I like new things. I like new projects. I have to always watch out that that doesn't become my weakness, that I start yeah. something and don't finish it completely. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a very healthy kind of mind to have when you come, you start something, you build it from scratch in a new place to be yeah. adaptable because what direction are we going to go in? Who are we going to meet? What are the struggles that will come along the way? So we have to constantly adapt and develop our strategy so it fits in line with what we're learning day by day. So, you know, not stressing and worrying about that. You have one fixed strategy and that's how we go. Um, and that I think has been, for me, we'll touch upon it later again, but using freelancers, using remote work is, is essential for me because there's a lot more flexibility in being adaptable in your organization strategy with it. Definitely. So you spoke about um, earlier that company is focusing on your current way of working is remote first, right? So yeah, exactly. From that experience, how how has it been so far? Are you working remotely with um, Namibian based? Um, I'm assuming this Namibian based organizations mm. Mm. Um, and Southern African based uh, organizations. Mm. How, how has your experience been with that? It's actually been really good. Um, I know before COVID, we, we had some efforts on focusing on the Southern African market. And it was harder when you were based in Europe to set up virtual meetings at that point. Um, yes. Now, a few years later, uh, like you said, we're referring back to the pandemic a lot, but it's been a learning point in adapting. And I think there's kind of this idea of using virtual meetings as a starting point is great. Um, and, and I definitely think human interaction is also important. So there's also situations where having physical meetings is super beneficial, feeling each other's energy, looking at each other. It's also important. But, but the initial conversations don't have to be physical. They can be virtual to save everybody time to kind of understand where are we? How are we aligned? Can we cooperate together? Um, and therein, I think lies the power of, of balance again. Um, using uh, virtual possibilities as much as possible, um, but also enjoying and making use of physical interaction. Um, so I would say I've had great um, meetings and cooperation meetings in South Africa, in Namibia with organizations, and people are very open towards it. We're working remotely, getting people onto our platform where we run our psychometric assessments, where we're training them online virtually, um, our accreditation for psychologists doing the training in our products is all yes. virtual. It's e-learning based. 
Um, so we have actually from the main company, a trainer based in Poland, a senior psychologist. Um, yeah. And she's doing the training also for our clients here in Southern yeah. Africa. Uh, and actually, it's funny because then as we have a training and so I'll have some of my customers, some of the other partners will have their customers from different countries around the world. And it's actually okay. great meeting together uh, from different countries sharing, you know, what are the difficulties using psychometrics in Mexico or in yeah. South Africa and, and how can we kind of accommodate those differences. Um, so for me, I'm, I love working remotely. Uh, my business partner, Keith, he's, um, he's a Namibian as well. Yeah. Uh, he works with very much with the business development side of things. He's located two hours away from me. So most of our meetings are all virtual. Um, we have some industrial psychologists connected freelance. They're working yeah. remotely. So, so building this organization is, is, is really fun and, and working remotely and harnessing that power is, is incredible, yeah. uh, journey to be on. Yeah, uh, uh, there's, there's actually that I love that. Um, there's one guest that's going to come on the show, and prior to, as I do with all the guests, I have a, a brief chat with him, mm. and he pointed something. And he's purely Namibian; he grew up in Namibia. Mm. He mentioned that, um, you know, because we're dropping now, freelancing, all these buzzwords, yeah. and he mentioned something about the cultural. Um, the cultural understanding of what freelance means from the mm. yeah, which is mm. super interesting because normally you know, people that don't really have a great understanding of the concept, they seem to think that, no, if you say you are a freelancer, it's that you are in between jobs. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's so, and, and there's a lot of cultural connotations, right, that people exactly. often aren't aware of. And, and you kind of get a term. That's maybe, you know, US based or European based and, and it has different meetings depending on the culture that you're in. So also, I think part of what you guys are doing is training the market and yes. kind of sharing what is freelance? What does it mean? Yeah. It doesn't mean you're unemployed between jobs. It means exactly. you choose to work for yourself, you know, exactly. as, as kind of an empowerment uh, process. So I think it's a great thing that you guys are doing, building that knowledge and sharing it. Um, so everyone speaks the same language when we're dropping these words. Exactly. And that, it really blew my mind because I was like, I, I mm. can't actually see it from that point of view. Because yeah. if we're in the country and I'm saying I'm a freelancer, it's almost like you're, you have to, you know, speak, say it really softly so people don't, like, you're not saying it you're just that I'm a freelancer. I'm not <laughs> they're, not, they're not judging. They're not being judged by, by exactly. what they're doing. No, it's true. It's true. And that's that's what makes it what makes all these conversations all the more so so relevant because it is really just an educating and looking into the market as well. Um, and one of the things, one of the pain challenges actually is as pertains to billing specifically, mm. the rate of unemployment within our youth. Yeah, yeah. They are, and I say I say this all the time, but I'm like, guys, we are graduating, which is lovely to see. It's mm. great to, to acknowledge that, you know, you have yeah. done the work. But thereafter, that's where the real work lies. And if you're, just, yeah, if you're just producing graduates without the next step or thinking about the next step, then it becomes very, very dangerous because mm. which market absorbs all these people with all these yeah. great no. skills? It's, it's true. And, and now we're obviously speaking of, I'm really referring back to the pandemic again as one of the bad parts, which was obviously a lot of people lost their jobs, right? 
uh, and people have had to think kind of creatively about how to adapt to those situations of losing jobs, of of you know finding new jobs. And and Esther, I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me that obviously it's not every single graduate that's that's perfect for the freelance opportunities. Um, everybody is different, and we work in different ways. But but there's a big portion of of graduates that would do excellent working freelance, working remotely. Um, and like you're saying, highlighting that is also an important aspect for us. Obviously, with our psychometrics, it's always organizational or workplace-based. But we use assessments also doing graduate programs and workshops with graduates, highlighting what are their strengths and how yeah. can they harness those for future development. And one of those is looking at who, who would be a good fit for a freelance opportunity. Um, so that's a big part of what we're also trying to do is to, in whatever way, while we're here as part of our corporate social responsibility, is deal with this issue of high unemployment, especially among graduates. Um, and, and so we're seeing good results cooperating with organizations that are interested yeah. also in using these assessments to develop graduates and run programs where they can develop into uh, awesome people that they will be. Exactly. And like I said, um, it is really a lot of things that people don't normally want to talk about, but the fact that mm. not all of us or all of us back home now as graduates, um, the challenge already exists in terms of you know, securing a full-time job. Mm. What you're doing is completely, it's absolutely important and relevant as well because there are yeah. certain skills that you need to own to be able to, That's it. Like, if you're going to be freelance, you have the responsibility to, to manage your time. Your communication yeah. style has to be extremely uh, clear, especially if you're talking to remote teams. Yeah. You cannot be ambiguous about what needs to happen or, you know, what do they call it? Um, what they makes in terms of you delivering the work. You need to be, no, it's true. Yeah, you need to be sharp, clear, and maximizing your time so that your, the client is not affected. But all these things. Yeah, and. And, yeah. and in line with that, you have to be able to deal with failure, right? Because when you start freelancing, not, nothing is just, you know, perfect. You don't have, you don't have processes set up for, you know, how do I log into work? Which programs do I work with? Um, how long does this take? If I'm coding for four hours, oh man, it took eight hours. Okay. You know, you do make mistakes. So being adaptable and not seeing that as a failure, but seeing it as a learning point also means that it's not for everyone because not everybody can deal with that failure in a positive way. Um, so, so that's why, you know, I think this conversation of freelance and remote is that again, balance is for me the key that it's, it works awesomely and great for some, but it won't work for everyone. So having that kind of hybrid approach is for me, the perfect balance that people can kind of choose how they want to work. And that's how I think we'll develop and increase employee well-being in organizations. Absolutely. You basically condensed this whole episode. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, failure is really a big part of actually becoming very successful. And mm. that, that's going to lead you to another conversation because just from my own personal um, experiences to everything that I've done, everything each organization that I was lucky enough to interact with. Also, seeing yourself in a different light, seeing your strengths and seeing your weakness. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you need to actually step up yeah. or you need to change something drastically so that your client is not affected. Yeah, you're yeah. Yeah, you're really sitting with a mirror in front of you that highlights good, bad all the time. Yes. Um, 
and 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 obviously you know one of the things now that i can mention starting up here is um you know if you work for an organization kind of the projects are there um you do the work that you're good at but you do very much the same work here you start up you have to you know adapt to all sorts of situations find clients find projects yourself how do you do that in a new place you know there's so much learning and development that goes into it and sometimes you make mistakes but but that's also what makes you stronger and makes make sure that you can you know develop further and 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 become a better a better person in different aspects of life exactly and we will actually have a we'll need to have a webinar around just some of those skills that you mentioned because cool. now that I'm like thinking about it, it's super, super, yeah, it's super important because even just some of the freelancers that I see signing up to billet because mm. it's a review process before all the applicants, all the applications, yeah. all the freelancers are onboarded onto the system. But what we have, we are able to see in the back, um, in the back end is, you know, a careless, a careless, um, priorities to, Mm. details you know the wording the which really just points to the fact that there is still so so much work to be done in terms of just yeah. how you personally brand yourself because as a freelancer you're also backing on the fact that look i'm standing out this is what makes me stand out these are the skills that i can i can you know you can put on the table and say that this is what i'm good at but no definitely and and if i could tell you i mean we did yeah. one recruitment now um for Namibia, but also for South Africa, looking for freelance industrial psychologists, um, also looking for salespeople. I've done that. And if you knew the amount of CVs that came in with spelling errors, you know, with exactly the same design and outline, with the same wording, similar phrasings, you know, the CVs that don't stand out. And CVs are the first thing in a recruitment that people often see. So it's kind of like leaving a first good impression. Um, and a small detail, I had a, I had a good friend, uh, in Germany that, that put in a CV and got help from a recruiter as well. Uh, and she said, you know, just put some small emojis on the CV, make it stand out and um, use that as your strength, yeah. you know? And it's such a small thing, but just thinking creatively really makes people stand out in organizations. And I'm sure you guys have that struggle when freelancers come in, like you say, not being attentive to detail, but it's such an important skill. It's it's the first impression when you drop that CV to an organization before they even know your name or your face. They 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 quickly screen. You know what's on the paper and and how can we use this? Exactly. But we have really a lot of work in front of us, and it's 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 beautiful to see that you're actually mm. working with completely raw talent and raw resources in terms of human potential. Yeah. And also. It, it makes me look back on my own personal journey, um, being a graduate, newly graduate in the Indian landscape. That's just some of the challenges that I experienced back then. But now, mm. where I am, a lot of people are like, how do I get, not that I'm, I'm not even, I haven't scratched actually the surface of what I still want to do, but the traction of leading up to everything that has happened so far, it's really understanding to, but to polish yourself up to, to, to not even to polish, to, to place yourself to be of, of high value. And that mm, doesn't exactly. happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. It's every day, and it sounds really cliche when you read all these quotes, but there is so, so much truth to it. Success isn't just um, you got a degree. It's the little things. It's in the smallest of details that actually you are able to set yourself apart. Spelling is no. not correctly. 
you know definitely that's that's such an that's such an important process like you say and and for me obviously working with we work a lot with hr a lot with recruitment you know um and and so of course it doesn't mean that if you if if you have the perfect cv that you're the perfect candidate there's also a lot of bias and a lot of unfair processes going through the screening of cvs and and that's one of the big challenges for hr in general um, and that's why we try and implement, you know, using psychometric assessments as a screening process that's more fair and, and less biased for, uh, because who, who is to determine there's something called predictive validity within psychology and looking at what is the most uh, valid way of predicting future job performance on, on the workplace. And, you know, a lot of times we think it's years of experience. It's, it's your degrees that you hold. But actually, the most valid way of determining future job performance is using a cognitive test and a, and a personality test to develop some of these soft skills and understand who is this person and how can this person fit into our organization. Um, so, so that's obviously another thing that we're working on here in Namibia and in Southern Africa is kind of highlighting the value of using assessment tools that can help you find the best candidates. Love it. Anyway, so moving on, um, I think you've touched on everything that really is at the core of my heart. It's, mm. you know, it's been, it's, it's become just effective. We, you don't need a lot to get done. And no. we're going to, you know, we're going to use Billet as a case study down the line to really be like, we yeah. built it on a very lean methodology. And a fraction of the cost, but what we were able to do, and I obviously leveraged a, a lot of networks to, to be able to, to get it to where it is, but I was very creative about, you know, just the strategy, the approach to owning the conversation within the internal yeah. team. Everybody yeah. has their own different style of working. And exactly. we're fortunate, yeah, we're fortunate right now that we are a very small team and I'm, this flexibility in terms of, okay, you want to work at night? That's okay. As long as the work yeah. is done. Exactly. I mean, exactly. This is going to give, yeah, this is going to give birth to another conversation. We're going into a different discussion point now, but taking all of these things that we just spoke of and mm-hmm. really just understanding the bigger picture of where the future of work is, is moving towards. What are your thoughts around Namibia having a, a hybrid working strategy, for example, that is, you know, embedded into the national agenda, you know, yeah. at all different, yeah, at all higher levels of within the country. Do you see that you, happening? You know, what are your experiences with that? I see it happening, and I see it happening especially among a lot of startups. Um, I've worked a lot also with an organization, been involved with, with Dololo Dubox, that was kind of a co-office space. They were the first... Yeah area where I landed and started engaging with them and working with them and kind of they also spoke a lot about this startup environment working remotely working freelance what are the benefits for it so I think through different institutions and organizations highlighting the values of it like what you guys are doing and I think that will be important that there should have there has to be a case that highlights the value of working freelance, working remotely. Um, And I think the more cases that pop up, the more people seeing the value uh, of increased diversity on the team. And and I think, especially diversity, we talk about, you know, who's in your talent pool. Um, If if you're doing a, you know, in-office policy, you only have available to you those that live in that area. Um, 
if you now start looking remotely or freelancing, suddenly you have all of Namibia available, somebody from the north, somebody from the south, east, west. You know, it doesn't matter where they're located, but you harness the talent that's available in the whole space. If you need somebody with freelance skills that might not even be available in Namibia, it's not a problem. You go onto a platform like you guys or to Upwork or similar platforms, find freelancers and use them in your organization. And, and, you know, I think especially for startups talking about using resources, what is the number one obstacle that all startups go through is budget and finances, right? I mean, it's limited costs to start the organization. So why are we spending money on you know, office space, on transportation, on having a lunch order, all these kind of things when we can actually focus on building our organization, working from the comfort of our home. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's such a cool thought to think about that you can start up a startup with so, I mean, fewer costs and, and higher employee engagement. I mean, I was reading one study that said companies that work completely remotely save on average 10,000 US dollars per year per employee. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of money, you know, that can be reinvested into the strategy of the organization. Exactly. And that's the thing, um, you know, moving towards even the startup culture within the country, and that's one of the mm. reasons as well. I recently joined the Nanku Business Angel Network. And what I'm that's getting cool. to see, really, yeah, what I'm getting to see at the back end is a, it's not such a very clear understanding in terms of Namibians generally understanding the difference between an SME and a startup. Mm. And mm. I had, I think there was one lady that actually mentioned that she, she shared a lot of insight with regards to that because she works within the startup community in the country, but mm. it's the lack of, you know, clearly defining what is important as a startup. First of all, yeah. the fact that it's just a startup, it's just, you're testing out an idea whether, it, you know, that this concept is able to be a company. And now mm. what happens, and what normally happens is that you know, you're starting up and you're spending way too much without actually <laughs> having validated your product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's true. And, and that just made me think of another point that I think is a huge benefit of being fully remote is you can build a team that never sleeps. I mean, we're talking about what is one of the most important resources of an organization is its people and, and the service that the people offer their clients and service is becoming a top priority. I mean, just a few years ago, you didn't have anything called the customer success manager. It didn't exist as a term, but it's coming now because having the customer in focus is the most important thing. Um, so building a team that never sleeps, offering full 24-hour support without having locations all around the world is possible now. But we need to harness and understand how to find the right people, how to recruit them on a virtual uh, kind of space. Yeah, which, I mean, what you're doing with your company, that makes it all the more really important because if you're interviewing somebody who's sitting in South, South America that you mm. don't necessarily have, you know, it's purely subjective that you're going to go with this person, with this candidate versus the next. But if you have tools as, such as your, as such as what you, what you guys are doing, you're able to really validate to say that, okay, these are, the, these are your core strengths. These are 
some areas of weakness that we can still own. That's it. Yeah. And that becomes, it it, it places a bit of objectivity as well within the recruitment Mm. process. If we are are really shifting conversations now, but if we are (laughs) speaking specifically recruitment within Namibia or Southern Africa, Mm. It's mm. the over-reliance of just looking at a person's CV and mm. based on, on that. And then, Definitely. I mean, we all know the, the, the cost of a bad hire <laughs> all the time and how yeah. that can completely affect the company. So what normally now happens or what is happening in the country is that we have organizations that they are, at a, they are ready to move forward, but mm. their mental capacity or the human potential is not ready. Because the starting point was not properly, um, yeah, it was not properly laid a foundation. It didn't do the fact checking. It didn't, you know, all of that, and it affects. Mm. Like seeing this firsthand, you can have a mm. great strategy, but it, who's, yeah. who's at the forefront of implementing a strategy? It's people. Yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely, and and that's another thing that comes up a lot that I speak with with organizations about is, you know, you have a project that you're running, say you're developing a new platform or a new website or, or an app or something, you know, often people tend to think, okay, now we have to recruit a person, kind of onboard them into the organization. You have to understand our culture. So you're using a lot of months on recruiting, finding, onboarding. And that's where I think in such situations, freelancing is an awesome resource to draw on because if you're doing an IT project, why not hire somebody that specializes in exactly what you need exactly. instead of an all-round kind of person that you first have to teach the company culture to exactly. bring the person in on a project-based task uh, and let them do what they're best at, work with the team. And once it's done, you don't have the resource and the cost of keeping and holding on to that person. Exactly. Um, so, so it's actually a win-win for both. The organization saves money and time on finding somebody that, that specializes and is an expert in that area. But for the person, they also get to do projects that they are interested in and that they want to work with. And after a while, they might want to do a different project and they have the freedom to do so. Exactly. And you're basically maximizing your time as well. Because exactly. from Definitely. a Western point of view, for example, you work for value. It's mm. your value that you know what you're bringing to the table is what you get compensated for. It's not babysitting a table or an office no. space. Yeah. No, no. And so, that's, and that's it. It's, it's all value based, you know, and, exactly. and that I think is so interesting. If you compare some countries, for example, that have run with the traditional, you know, 40 plus full time, five days a week kind of work nine to five. Uh, and some of the, especially Sweden is a great example of that implementing this four day work week, you know, uh-huh. I mean, it, it sounded like a joke in the beginning. How can you be more effective working four days than five days? Exactly. But it's possible because it increases your value and you're motivated. You're happy to be there. You want to finish it off because you know you're going to have a longer time spent with your family, with your friends, exploring, traveling. Uh, and those are things that are starting to mean more and more, you know, perks of having a gym at the office or, yeah. you know, things like that are becoming less valuable. People value freedom. So having that as perks and benefits through more flexibility is is key. Yeah. Oh, this is this is amazing. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, because some things that I've been speaking about extensively, yeah. even before I, I relocated from Namibia, I was like, guys, we need to 
I need to do things a little bit differently. But you come across as that peacock or the yellow bird in the boardroom. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah. And now, especially the, the Scandinavian way of doing things, which is super interesting to really, and I haven't been there for so, so long, but I'm interested to really learn a little bit more about cultures and especially with um, work efficacy and yeah, productivity as well, because those, the, those are the things that I'm right now interested about. Yeah. And just bringing it a little bit closer to home as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I was just, just if I could just bring one point just in that, I was reading a study recently um, yeah. that highlighted that 24% of all employees that had done remote work were willing to take a pay cut in order to work remotely. And yes. that's, you know, drives home the point that flexibility and freedom is more important than salary to a lot of people. Um, yeah. Being able to spend time with those you love and those you enjoy being with is becoming more and more important and needs to be developed as part of the organization's strategy like we've spoken about as well. Exactly. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Max, it's going to go close, closer to an hour, so I want us to start condensing down everything. Cool. cool. Just uh, what do you think, just the last point and then we can wrap up. What Perfect. do you think from... So your focus with your company is for Southern Africa. You see mm. that expanding at any other part of um, on, on on the continent. Mm. Um, yeah, actually, it's in, it's it's interesting you you raise that issue because we just yeah. uh, I I still work with some projects with the main company Master International. Um, so I'm running this Master Southern Africa here, but also doing some projects in business development with the main company. Nice. And and one of the focuses was also looking at how do we expand? Now we have a starting point in Southern Africa, but yeah. how do we also look towards other parts of this continent? And we've actually just engaged with a, with an organization that will be starting up in Rwanda and Ghana. Um, and yeah. that I think is a great, yeah. you know, because Rwanda is an, has an awesome culture within the startup community within the remote work and the freelance space, you know, there's so much to learn from there. So I'm really hoping that through the learnings of our partner that will start there, that we can yeah. draw on that and also use that to, to help develop, run some workshops, you know, highlight how to implement a strategy that's remote freelance based. Um, so, so, you know, being an international company in different locations, it's awesome because we, we can get together, we can talk about challenges but also some places are further ahead than others. So getting those learnings and implementing them uh, where you're located as a partner is, is a great way and something that I really value and something that I hope also like what you guys are doing with Billet now, that we can build a community where we can yes. speak about the future. How do we work with HR in the future? How will it develop in what space? What can we do as HR professionals to build that? Exactly. I love it. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you after the, after this call about the next steps that cool. I think just to condense the conversation, that's essentially what the podcast is about. 100%. Owning, definitely. Yeah. It's owning the conversations about what works currently within the future of work, um, specifically from a, from an African point of view and bringing mm. all kinds of different experiences, um, to the table and creatively exploring new ways of doing things. That's, yeah, yeah. that's at the forefront of what I'm really, really passionate about. So mm. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing all these nuggets. Um, and if there's anything else in closing remarks that you'd like to say, we can, we can say that now. Yeah, I, I mean, just I had one last thing because obviously my background before was very much in education. And, and yes. for me, I think that's also going to be a determining factor for how we train future generations to look at what does it mean to be a freelancer? It doesn't mean, like you said, that you're unemployed, but it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to grow as a person exactly. and, and a great learning opportunity. And I think institutions in the future, um, educational institutions will have more and more of a responsibility of helping students realize that, that it's fine to do part-time jobs and gigs on the side. Um, it's fine to also have some stability of income, but, but we don't always have to rely just on one source of income. We can, we can do learning on the side and we can take in jobs and projects that interest us, that help us grow. So, you know, I think in the future, one of the ways to kind of implement this strategy and this focus, a big part of it is obviously training the organizations that exist, but also training the future graduates in the organizations about how do you build, how do you become a freelancer? What do you have to do? What are the skills that you need? And that learning will be valuable for building more and more of a freelance hybrid way of working. Exactly. Love it. Thank you so, so much for that.